Well, welcome back. This is the third session in a little mini series of videos on the subject, what does the whole Bible say about God's revelation of himself? And really what we're trying to find out is how it is that we can in fact come to know God. And if you followed the train of thought so far, we've said that the knowledge of God firstly is extremely important because it is the doorway to eternal life. This is eternal life, said Jesus, to know you, the only true God. And then we also said that the whole human race at some level does desire this knowledge. We are all inherently religious. And then thirdly, despite all this, we said that when we go about trying to find God, we go completely wrong because our finitude and our sin have separated us from him. And so in our last video, we made the point that if we are to come to know God, it has to come from his side. He has to cross the chasm of our finitude and sin and reveal himself to us. And then we closed our last video asking the question, has God done that? Has he pulled back the veil and revealed himself to us? And I said that in this video, we are finally going to tackle that question head on. And I'm going to do that by turning to the scriptures to see how the Bible itself makes this claim. So in a second, I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 1. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, no problem. Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It is a copy of a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome sometime around the end of 58 AD. Uh, Paul was in Corinth at the time. He had never been to the Roman church before, but now he was writing to them in advance of a trip that he was planning to make to them. And I'm going to read a section from the beginning of that letter, which we now call Romans chapter 1, in which Paul deals with the same issues that we have been dealing with in our series. That is how we come to know God. And I want you to look out for two specific themes. So as I'm reading these verses, I want you to look out for firstly, what does God reveal to us about himself? So what is the content of the revelation? And then secondly, how does he reveal himself to us? So what is the medium or the channel that he uses? Okay, so what does God reveal and how does he do it? Those are the two things we're looking for. So let's turn to Romans chapter 1 and I'm going to read from verse 15. Paul says, So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, 
They did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Now, from these verses, I want us to particularly note the three things that Paul says God has revealed, and then I also want us to note how he reveals them. So again, what he reveals and how he does it. So the first one is God's invisible attributes. Let's read verse 20 again. Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So what does God reveal? Well, He reveals His invisible attributes, which includes, says Paul, His eternal power, and his divine nature, what he's like. And then how does he make these things known to us? Well, Paul says that they are understood by the things that are made. Now that seems like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Uh, God's invisible attributes can be clearly seen. Now how can something that's invisible be seen? Well, Paul says that God's eternality, so the fact that he is an eternal being, his power, the fact that he is enormously powerful, and something of his being, something of the nature of God himself, what he's like, his Godhead as it's called, is revealed through the things that can be seen, because God is the one who has created them. And he has made our minds to correspond to this witness, so that when we see, we know. Our minds have been made in such a way that when we look at the wonder of creation and then we look at the people around us, we inescapably say, Aha! Someone really big and someone really intelligent made all of this. The very creation that we cannot escape seeing and experiencing, I mean, you can't escape creation. We live and breathe and have our being in creation. This very creation reveals God's eternal power to us. And it reveals to us that He is the one and only true God. And that along with His power, He's clearly intelligent. He is peaceful. He is he's orderly. He's creative. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's good. He's clean. He's relational. You know, our, our own personhood and, and our personal relationships with the people in our lives, because we're all made in His image, it, it, there's a witness in our hearts that shows us that the one that made all these people is Himself a person. So all of these things show us what God is like. You know, when we just open our eyes, we, we see the things that have been made and it reveals knowledge of God to us. And yet, because of the ruin into which sin has plunged us and what it's done to our minds, we rebel against this light that we receive. We, we reject the God that we know. In the words of Paul in verse 18, which we, we just read, he says that we suppress the truth 
We hold down the truth. We don't want to know the truth. And we do that in unrighteousness, says Paul. We do it because of sin. And we do this even though we have a sense of the judgment of God which is coming. I mean, it's completely irrational. But listen to what Paul goes on to say in verse 32. He says that sinners, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice wicked things are deserving of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Isn't pornography just the most debased example of that in our own day? Not only do we delight in our own sin, but we delight in other people's sinning. Okay, so just understand what we're saying here. All of this knowledge which the created order reveals to us is not something that we're expected to reason out for ourselves. It requires no philosophy. It doesn't need any special education, no special intellect or intelligence. You don't need any special equipment to work it out like some telescope or some microscope. It is unavoidably understood by every mentally capable person on earth. It is revealed and to everyone. God has pulled back the curtains of truth to show it to us. It's a bit like a greedy young man whose old wealthy father has gone missing. And this young man rushes upon his inheritance because he can't wait to get his hands on his dad's money. And as the will is being read and as the executor of the state is about to sign over the family fortune to this greedy son, suddenly the father bursts into the room and he says, I'm alive. Now, it's not what the son wanted and it's not what anybody was expecting, but nobody can argue now. It is plain to everyone. The father is alive. And so it is with us. We don't need to go on some huge quest to find out if there is a God. It is plain to all of us. God has burst into the room, so to speak, through the created universe and by giving us minds that are unavoidably receptive to what we see. So, all people know enough about God to be accountable to Him. No one will be able to say on the judgment day, Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know there was a God. That will not be acceptable. So, that's the first thing God reveals. His invisible attributes. Even His eternal power and His divine nature. And how does He reveal them? He shows them to us through the things that are made. Okay, the second thing that Paul says that God has revealed to us is His wrath. Let's read verse 18 together. Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So that's the second thing that God reveals, His wrath. Now the word wrath means extreme anger. God is extremely angry at some things, and He has every right to be. We've just seen in verse 32 of Romans chapter 1 how Paul goes on to say that people know the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice wicked things are deserving of death and yet they still do them and they delight in other people doing them. And then Paul expands even further on that idea in Romans chapter 2. And I'm going to read to you verses 14 and 15 from Romans chapter 2. Paul says, When the Gentiles 
who do not have the law. Now, when Paul refers to the law that the Gentiles don't have, what he's referring to is what we would call the Old Testament, which the Jews did have, but which the Gentiles did not have access to. So Paul is saying, when the Gentiles who do not have the Bible by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law unto themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts. Now, how does Paul say that the the work of the law is written on people's hearts? Well, let's continue to read. Their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. When you do something good, your conscience commends you. You feel good about yourself. But when you do something bad, your conscience condemns you. You feel guilty and you have a sense of the judgment of God that's going to come upon you for that. So we see that the second thing that Paul says God reveals is his wrath. And how does he reveal it? Well, the first way is through the conscience of every person. There is a general sense in our consciences that our rebellion against what we know to be right is leading us inevitably to the righteous judgment of God. And that, if you remember from last week, is what Sigmund Freud was determined to help his clients out of. The sense of guilt. In fact, it is this fear of judgment that gives all people a fear of death. The Bible says that we are subject all our lives to the fear of death. And the reason is that we have a sense of the coming judgment. Now, if you don't mind, I just want to press the pause button there on our train of thought on this video, because even though what I'm going to say now is not really part of what we're doing in this mini-series, I don't want to just leave that last terrible thought just hanging there about the fear of death. The full quote of what I was quoting there comes from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And in those verses, the writer says that Jesus came into the world and shared in our flesh and blood so that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So according to those verses, you don't have to live with the fear of death anymore. Jesus came in the flesh and he died for you so that you could be forgiven and when you put your faith in him you are immediately released from your fear of death because you can know by the witness of the Holy Spirit who comes upon you that you are now at peace with God that you've been adopted as his child and that when you die you're gonna be with him in heaven so you don't have to fear death anymore Okay, so back to Romans chapter 1. We're putting together all of this revelation that Paul says we've received. And the first two bits of revelation are, first of all, that all people know about God through the witness of creation. And then secondly, that all people also have the sense of the wrath and coming judgment of God through the witness of conscience. So we know God from the outside and we know him from the inside. Now, All this is what we're going to call in another video, the next video, general revelation. Because as I've been explaining to you, it's given to everyone. It is general in its scope. Okay, that's why we call it general revelation. But 
Paul seems to go on further now to say that there is also a special revelation. It only comes to some people. It's not general in its scope. And it only comes to those who hear the gospel. That's how we get it. And this is why Paul said that he's not ashamed of the gospel. Because what the gospel reveals to us is so powerful that it can save us. It can save us from our sin. And a part of what is revealed to us in the gospel is a revelation of God's wrath for how man has rebelled against him. So when the gospel message is preached to me, or when I pick up a Bible and I read it, the descriptions of the holiness of God and of his judgments upon sin through the ages, and then especially those eyewitness accounts of Jesus, my friend, my Savior, hanging on that tree, bearing the wrath of God for me, for my sins. All of this shows me more clearly the fierceness of God's righteous, clean anger at sin. And I come to understand how completely justified that anger is. Okay, to summarize, we've said that the first thing that God reveals is His invisible attributes. His power, His divine nature, what He's like. And He reveals those things to us, uh, to everyone in fact, through the things that have been made. Then the second thing that God reveals is His wrath against sin. And how does He reveal that? Well, we've said there's two ways he reveals that. First, there's a partial sense of God's righteous judgment in the conscience of every person. But the full breadth of that wrath is only revealed in the gospel. In that true story that the Bible tells us in the New Testament of what God did to his own innocent son to satisfy his wrath. Okay, so that's where we've come to so far in our video. Then finally, the third thing that God says He has revealed to us is His righteousness. Let's read verse 17 of Romans chapter 1. Paul says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So God reveals his righteousness. But now note this, we're asking how does God reveal these things? This is made known only in the gospel. And it is received not by like human reason and our minds just working things out and perceiving it from creation. No, this righteousness of God is perceived only by faith. This is not something that all people know innately from natural revelation in creation. This is something which in a future session we're going to call supernatural revelation. The words of God himself breaking into this world telling us how to be saved. And it is revealed to us only through the preaching of the Christian gospel. Now that's why Paul says in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, it was while agonizing over that verse, Romans chapter 1 verse 17, that the great reformer Martin Luther was converted. At first, that phrase, the righteousness of God, terrified Luther. The fact that God is righteous was only a source of torment to him. 
And in some of his autobiographical writings, Luther said the following, I had been taught to understand this as the righteousness by which God is righteous and punishes unrighteous sinners. So what did Luther mean by that? Well, Luther had been taught that that phrase, the righteousness of God, which is revealed, is referring to an attribute of God, that God is personally righteous. And of course, that is not good news to us, which is what the word gospel means, good news. In fact, as we've seen, that is the very reason that we are separated from God, because God is righteous and he is extremely angry with us for our sin. So how can Paul call the righteousness of God good news? So it was that thought that plagued Martin Luther night and day. He couldn't understand what Paul meant by this. And so despite a life of monastic discipline, uh, Luther was a monk, he still felt a deep sense of his own sinfulness. And at times, Luther would be found in his room in the monastery, unconscious, having fasted and beaten himself senseless in an attempt to somehow atone for his sins. He had such a tender conscience. And this righteousness of God that he read of in, in Romans chapter 1 verse 17, it stood opposed to him. It stood over him, condemning him. He hated the righteousness of God because it only condemned him as being unrighteous. But as Luther meditated day and night upon the meaning of Paul in, in verse 17, he finally, in a moment, as the Holy Spirit pulled back the veil and, and gave him spiritual eyes to see the truth, he came to see that this righteousness of which Paul was speaking was not that attribute of God which was against him. But what Paul meant by this righteousness of God, which is revealed in the gospel, was a gift of righteousness which God gives freely to a sinner who believes in Jesus. It's received by faith, says Paul. And by this gift Luther suddenly realized that he, a sinner though he was, could simply be declared to be righteous. So in theological terminology, I'm going to teach you a nice theological term now. Luther came to see that this righteousness of God is an imputed righteousness. In other words, it's, it's something that is credited to the sinner's account as if it was his, as if it was hers. So this is what John Calvin would later in the next generation go on to call the great exchange. Jesus took our sin upon himself and he suffered God's wrath for it. And in exchange, he gave us his perfect righteousness because he never sinned and we go free. And it is the Christian gospel that tells us about this gift of God and how we are to receive it, which is by faith in Jesus. And that, my friends, truly is good news, because it means that though you are a sinner, having broken God's laws, though you are unrighteous, yet in the grace and mercy of God, because Jesus absorbed the guilt of sinners and took your punishment for you, if you put your faith in him, you are simply declared to be righteous, even though you are not. And you will no longer come into judgment, but you have passed from death into life. Now, I want to close this video 
simply by asking you this question, have you received the gift of God, which is forgiveness, righteousness, and eternal life? Have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you put your faith in Him? Because if the answer is no, then do it now. I beg of you, do it now. You don't know what tomorrow will hold. And don't worry that you can't live up to it. The Holy Spirit will come inside of you and He will change you from the inside out. God loves you, my friend, and God wants to forgive you. Won't you accept that today? Well, if you want to do that, I'm going to encourage you to tell the person who you're doing this study with or find a Christian that you can share that with. And they'll help you take the journey towards being baptized as a Christian believer. That brings today's video to a close. In our next video, we're going to talk more about natural revelation and what the main problem with it is before we then conclude in our final video looking at supernatural revelation. And I look forward to spending that time with you. Cheers for now.